Thank you for tuning in with us at Bayou City Fellowship, Cyprus, a community that's radically focused on Jesus. Join us as we continue our study through the book of Acts, Luke's account of how the Holy Spirit breathed life into and empowered the early church to fulfill the Great Commission after Jesus' passion. Thank you all very much. It's good to be back with everybody. Um, Gosh, you know like when you're, I mean, the goal is to meet with God, right? And in music or prayer, when you are reminded that your sin isn't too much for him to reach down and take hold of, and that whatever you bring into this place, he's big enough to manage and handle, right? I don't know if it happened for you, but it's working for me, so it's nice to bring you along if I can. A couple things that have nothing to do with anything except just information. We'll get this stuff out of the way beforehand because I want to bore you with it later. Um, this year, I uh, am attempting to do something, uh, both for your sake and for mine. Um, I've been reading a particular translation of the Bible for my entire Christian life for over 20 years. Uh, it's out of print, and it's really hard for everybody to do everything and to have you read along. And So I'm changing translations, starting today's the first sermon out of this translation. I'll be reading out of the end of the ESV, rather. And uh, just so you know, the, all the things on the screen will actually be what I'm reading out of. <laughs> so it'll be helpful for you and a challenge for me. And if you're looking for a challenge, this is a great year to start reading the scriptures, cover to cover. There's a lot of great ways to do that. I hope that you'll join me in that. I'm actually having a lot of fun. The first six or seven days, or what is it, nine days, hopefully I'm not that far behind. <laughs> Uh, thank you for uh, just being who you are. We had a wonderful time uh, off, and it's wonderful to be back with our church family. Um, you know, we went to a place where there was a lot of snow. Uh, they had record snow, and, you know, snow brings with it lots of things. You have to, you know, get dressed up to go out in it, and then you get dressed down to come back in the house, and then just back and forth and over and over. You forget something in the car, you got to get back dressed up. And I hate getting dressed up, especially fancy I do. I'll get dressed up. I'll enjoy it if my wife wants to do that. I will get dressed up. But I hate getting dressed up. I hate golfing for this reason, because I can't go in a t-shirt. I've been asked not to play because I didn't have a two-inch collar on my shirt. That's dumb. Why do I have to put a collar on my shirt to swing a club at a ball that I'm terrible at in the first place? Let me dress the way that I play. Terrible. Certain places have dress codes. You can't even get into some places if you don't have a suit and tie. I don't go to those places either unless my wife really wants to. But when I think about how I dress up spiritually, it's actually really contradictory to how I feel about it in the real world. See, because I have a tendency to want to dress a certain way spiritually in order to earn God's favor. Do you ever do this? as I did last week, put on things. I put on uh, being a good guy. I put on not sinning as much as I did last week. I put on uh, church attendance. I put on, you know, prayer. I put on all sorts of things to try to earn God's favor. And it's scary because that happens as a Christian. The worst thing that happened is before I was a believer. Right? And there's this tendency to believe that if I can be good enough right? If I can put on enough good works that maybe God will love me. 
if I can do enough right things, right, put on that jacket, if I can be generous enough, put on that tie, right, if I can be better than the next guy, earn enough money, put on those fancy shoes, somehow that will earn me entrance into a relationship with God. And I think as believers, we forget that all of those fancy things that we do and say and try to be, right, when we actually put those on other people inadvertently because of our behavior or just because that's what we tell them, oh, well, you can be a Christian, but, right, or you can't be a Christian unless, and we add a whole bunch of stuff. We add a wardrobe. We add a dress code to somehow getting into heaven. And it keeps people from understanding the very simple truth that we're gonna talk about today. And I'm just gonna say it right up front. There is nothing that we can do to earn salvation for ourselves. There's nothing that we can do to get right with God in and of ourselves. We did a great job of messing it up. I did a great job of messing it up. You ever do this? Has this been your experience? Have you ever tried to dress yourself up before the Lord? Right, to make your way in? We wanna be able to earn it, don't we? You guys, am I the only person in this room that struggles with trying to earn it? If I am, we just pray, pray, say amen, we can go home, because this message doesn't apply to you. I get tired and exhausted of trying to earn my way in. I think a lot of people exhaust themselves trying to earn their way in, right? Well, I can't go to church every week, I'm not good enough. I've struggled with this my whole life. It's called performance-based acceptance. If I perform well enough, I'll be accepted. This is how the world actually works, right? You go to work, everybody, all the, you, you know, because your corporation that you work for, the business that you work for, this is how it works, right? You perform well, right? You get that bonus, right? You get enough clients, you get the next promotion. You perform, you're accepted. Unfortunately, the kingdom doesn't work the way the world works. See, there's something that is out of our control, and that something is everything. And that you and I cannot perform enough, do well enough, fail less to get into heaven, to enter into a relationship with the God who made you. So that leaves us in a quandary, right? It leaves us in kind of this sticky situation. Well, then if I can't dress up enough, if I can't put on fly enough shoes, that's an old term for you students, fly means good, fancy, slick, fire, what? If I can't do enough, if I can't be good enough, if I can't earn my way in, how do I get there? How is it that a person then is forgiven, is saved from the consequences of sin if we can't do it ourselves? It's a discussion that happened in the early church. It's the discussion that happened. It's the thing that came up in Paul's first missionary journey. We're gonna be in Acts 15 today, and this same issue has been plaguing believers and unbelievers since the beginning. 
Since the garden all the way through, Jesus came, his church is set on fire, they're going, they're going awesome, and this comes up, this very thing comes up. And the conversation that we're gonna see take place in Acts chapter 15 today is maybe one that you have had, maybe one that you created, <laughs> maybe one that you struggled to understand yourself. And I think if you're not a Christian and you're here today, thank you for coming. I, really, I know coming to church is hard, especially if you're like, man, I don't know about these people. You might even be all in with God, but you're not sure about his people. That's fair. We can be a little crazy sometimes. But if you're a Christian, maybe, maybe this hits you in a way. My hope is that we'll be able to self-assess very well today and figure out which piece we have been playing a part of and make the necessary adjustments to make sure that the gospel that we are teaching is crystal clear and absolutely true so that we don't become a hindrance for people trying to enter into a relationship with God. Let's jump in. In order to get there, let's make sure that we remember where we are. Acts chapter 15 happens about 20 years after Pentecost and about 10 years after the conversion of Cornelius, just for context. And what we've seen so far is God making himself known, right, to the Gentiles, the Spirit coming to the Gentiles. Right? And through Peter realizing that the salvation of God is for everyone, not dependent on background or history, ethnicity, age, Jew, not Jew, it didn't matter. The gospel is for the whole world, in fact. This is where we go. And then what we see here is Paul went out, Acts chapter 13 and 14, they were sent out from Antioch where this Jesus movement really took off from. And he took with him Barnabas, and we see in Acts 13 and 14 this journey that takes place. And Acts 15 is Paul and Barnabas coming back from their first journey to tell about what God is doing. So we're going to jump in at uh, chapter 14. We're just going to back up very quickly, uh, verse 24. They've been at Iconium. They've been in Lystra. That's where Paul was. He was stoned in Lystra. They tried to kill him there. His stories are so much cooler than ours. You know, I mean, I'm not saying I want to go get like, you know, rocks thrown at me till I'm supposed to die or anything. I'm just saying that his stories are cooler than mine. Then they passed through uh, Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And they had spoken the word in Perga and went down to Attilia. And from there they sailed to Antioch. This is where they got sent out from. Where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work they had fulfilled. They had a job to do it and they went to fulfill that job. Verse 27, and when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles and they remained no little time with the disciples. So they come back and they're like, hey, you guys wanna get together? We'd love to show you the slides. <laughs> slides, just so you know, there's a big thing around, you click them and they go, they're pictures that they'd put up. Now you guys just scroll with the button. They were slides. And so they came back and they're telling all that God had done. It sounds great, right? Sent some missionaries, talk about how the gospel's gone to the Gentiles. You know, the whole world is coming to know Jesus. It's fantastic. And of course, this is how it goes. And it says this, verse one, chapter 15. And we'll see how far we get in the chapter, by the way. This first verse kind of throws us. So we'll see if we need to camp out here for a bit. But some men came from Judea and were teaching the brothers now, it's very, very important that we understand that what these men were about to say, they were teaching other people, believers, people who were brand new to Jesus. They were 
offering them not just information, but hey, this is what it's really about. This is what Jesus is really about. They were teaching people, right? They were trying to lead them a certain way. Let's see how they were leading them, right? So all this amazing news about God at work, and this is how it always works, doesn't it? God's at work in his way, doing his thing. But some men came from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Right, pump the brakes. Let's pull the car over and have a talk about it. These men from Judea were coming and what they were teaching them was this. It's Jesus plus the customs of the Jewish tradition and obedience to the law that you can be saved. They said if you don't do it this way, you cannot be saved. If you don't, yeah, Jesus is great, that's good, but if you don't take Jesus and the law of Moses, you can't be saved. You won't be forgiven from your sins. You can't get in. I'm sorry, sir. You can't play this round because you don't have a collar. If you don't have the appropriate dress, you can't come in. And the law and obeying the law and Jesus was what they were teaching. Now, for most of us in here, you're like, well, that's dumb. Why would that be the thing? See, we do this all the time. It's all the time. Was your salvation Jesus plus? Now, salvation specifically. We'll talk about works in a minute in a different way. But to be saved from your sin, to be forgiven for the things that we have said and done that have been disobedient and disregarded God, that have hurt him and other people, to be saved from our sin Is it Jesus only or Jesus and all these other things? Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And I love this. It says, after Paul and Barnabas had no small discussion and debate with them. No small discussion and debate with them. Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem and to the apostles and the elders about this question. It created a disturbance in the church. See, because what they had been told was that Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection and the work that was accomplished on the cross was enough. They were told that this Jesus was the way to salvation. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, period. Through me, period. Through me, Jesus, period. So this is what was being taught. So other people came into the church saying, oh, it's Jesus, comma, and circumcision, and obeying the law, and all these things for salvation. Just to be saved, you had to do these things. Unless you attend church every week, you cannot be saved. Unless you, right, never miss a tithe, you cannot be saved. Unless you are good, you're a good person, you cannot be saved. Unless you never fail, you cannot be saved. Unless you, 
Fill in, I mean, over and over and over and over. How about one that we, a lot of ruffles, unless you're baptized, you cannot be saved. Thank you. That was the electronics, just to be clear. I hate the electronics, man. They get you every time. And specifically to the text, these Jewish people were having a problem culturally also, allowing the Gentiles a place in God's family. God's chosen people, Israel, have been offered Jesus over and over and over. From before Jesus showed up on the scene, at the scene, and after the scene, the Israelites had been shown the way to salvation through Jesus alone. But they had put so much stock in their own righteousness, their own works following the law, they had a hard time letting go of that for themselves, and because they couldn't let go of it themselves, they put the same burden on somebody else. What are the things that we have not been able to let go, that we inadvertently put on other people? That's a question that we'll ask here in just a little while. So there was this cultural issue, right? You're not a Jew, And look, we've been having to do this for generations. So yeah, we're all on board with Jesus, but you also have to be on board with our Jewish tradition to be saved. So being sent, verse three, being sent on their way by the church, this is great. They were told, listen, why don't you go to Jerusalem? Let's bring it to the elders. Let's let's bring it to 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 the leaders in the church And let's figure out what the reality is. Is it Jesus only or is it Jesus plus? So they were sent on their way by the church and they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. This is great. Paul and Barnabas were like, all right, look, they debated, they had the big discussion. By the way, I would not want to debate Paul on anything related to the gospel, okay? Just saying so they're going down. Now, I don't know about you. If, after you have a big fight with somebody, even a good spiritual fight, you know, and then you're sent to go figure out the thing, do you just beeline it to the deal? Here's what Paul and Barnabas did. They didn't forget what God had done, and they wanted to continue to share that Jesus only was the reason the Gentiles were in the family of God, and as they went to figure out the answer, they told the answer as they went. Because they were confident and comfortable and understood that it was Jesus only, and they needed everybody to know along the way. They didn't miss the opportunity because of the conflict, right? Different sermon, we're not going there today. They didn't miss the opportunities to share the good news as they went to figure this thing out for the greater church. Verse four, when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. So they told the story again. Right, this is now the third time, maybe the fourth time, the fifth time, that they are declaring the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. Verse five, as they're doing it, again, it says, but some believers who belong to the party of the Pharisees, so listen, very interesting, they're believers in Jesus, they also belong to the Pharisees, legalistic righteousness. Legalistic righteousness, Jesus Plus, so some of the Jesus plusers, we'll call them, rose up and said, it's necessary to circumcise them in order to, for them, it's in, 
You guys, it can't just be Jesus. I don't mean to be trite with the scriptures, but think about it, the attitude. Think about the arrogance that they would have to stand up after hearing this amazing conversion of people who were gonna die and go to hell, separated from God forever. God showed grace to these people, and it's not good enough. They stand up, and no, no, excuse me, it's important that you know that's great news and all, but they still need to be circumcised according to the law of Moses. Jesus and our tradition. So the apostles and the elders were gathered together and considered this matter. And they had this big debate, and Peter stands up, and he says, I just want to remind everybody, I used to feel the same way, and then God revealed to me that it is also for the Gentiles through Christ alone, period. Verse eight, and God who knows the heart bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us and he made no distinction between us and them. He made no distinction between us and them. Everybody's on the same playing field. There is no favoritism. There is no prejudice. There is no, the Jews are better than the Gentiles. Gentiles better than the Jews. It didn't matter, right? No distinction was made between those who could and couldn't have salvation through Jesus. And it says, he cleansed them, their hearts by faith. Verse 10, it says, now therefore, why, why are you putting God to the test? Why are you trying to test how far you can go with the truth? How far are you willing to go to test what God has already made clear? How did they test them? This is what it says. By placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. He says, you can't even follow the law. That's what we're saved from. Why are you trying to make people think that they have to do something you are incapable of doing? Have you ever been, I used to snowboard a lot and you sit at the, the thing and there'd be a whole bunch of people up on the top and everybody's staring down and be like, you gonna go? Are you gonna go? And then you would, everybody would jockey for who was gonna go. I was the idiot who would be like, you guys are lame. And I would go, and I would go and crash and hurt myself. It would be like me doing that and going and be like, you guys have to do it, I did it. I couldn't do it, but you should do it. These Pharisees were like, well, we couldn't really please God. We couldn't earn our way into heaven, but you should definitely try the way we did. Even though we already have the very clear answer that Jesus took care of something, we couldn't. And says, why are you guys putting this heavy yoke? Well, I can't lift 350 pounds. Yeah, you should. You have to, though, in order to, you know, earn your gym membership somehow. So let her rip. How silly. It sounds silly when you put it in regular terms, doesn't it? And that's essentially what these guys were doing. Peter's saying, but we believe. And he says something very significant here. Uh, culturally and ethnically, it would be silly for him to say it like this. That's why I bring it up. But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. The reason it's significant is he put the Jews behind the Gentiles. Right? It, would have, it, would, it should have said, but they will be saved just as we were. We're first, they're second. But he words it in a very interesting way to show that there is none of this favoritism going on with the Lord. 
And all the assembly fell silent and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. And after they finished speaking, James, this is the half-brother of Jesus, he was the leader in the church at the time, he was also the one who wrote the book of James. He replied, brothers, listen to me. Simeon, this is another uh, spelling for Simon, referring to Peter, has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from the people, uh, excuse me, take from them a people for his name. And then he quotes the prophet Amos. This is Old Testament revealing already that God's plan all along was to ingraft, to bring in and adopt those who were not Jewish into the family of God. He speaks about it in the prophets thousands of years before. This is from Amos 9, 11 and 12. I'll let you read it on your own. Therefore they judged that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from things uh, with blood still in it. There were some pagan rituals they wanted them to stop doing, but it wasn't for a means and to, to uh, not be sexually immoral, Right? Those things were not for means of salvation, though. The things they told them to abstain from, to stop doing, were because of their faith and because of salvation, not in order to earn salvation. Does that make sense? The Jews, what they were doing is they were trying to dress up for God. They were trying to put on some righteous clothes in order to get themselves in. Right, they were putting on their, what are, the, what are the, I don't know their designers, Louis Vuitton and the Gucci's, throwing on the Rolex, right? Slipping on the expensive shoes, the tie, right? They might have had some chains, they might have had some rings, I don't know. But they were putting on as much righteousness in order to come stand and knock on God's door to say, hey, this gets me in, right? Just to have the people at the door look at them and go, why are you wearing such filthy Filthy clothes to come in here. Because that's what our works get us, right? The scriptures tell us in Isaiah 64, it says, your righteous works, the things you do to earn God's favor are like filthy rags. Right, it would, and it sounds silly when you talk about it in real life. You go to a fancy restaurant. Like, what's the most fancy restaurant that's a dress code around here? I obviously haven't been there because I don't know the name of it. But to go up there in holy jeans and slippers, flip-flops, right? Cut-off shirt, mid-drift, if you're from the 80s. I know some of you still got that shirt. It's your workout shirt, let's be honest. We know what's up. Going up there and be like, all right, I'm ready to get in, Right? Like, why are you wearing such raggy clothes to get in here? There's a dress code. And think about Paul, the person who is telling of God's works. Think about what Paul said in Philippians 3. Do you know what it says? If you don't know, I'm going to tell you because it's great. He says, look, these people who are coming at me, they may think they have the best dress clothes to get them in, but I have all the better clothes. I've got the latest and greatest. And he starts listing out why he could earn God's favor more than the people who are messing with him in Philippians 3. He says, look, I'm circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, no less, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee. 
He dots his I's, he crosses his T's. As to zeal a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. I'm the bomb.com. Right? I'm, I'm doing all the things that I'm supposed to do. I've got the best clothes. I'm at the front of the line. I move the little barrier and I can walk in when I want because I have what it takes as far as it depends on me. And he says this, but whatever gain that I had, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. In fact, he says, I count all that stuff as filthy rags, as trash, as rubbish, good enough to be thrown in the garbage as long as I know Christ, period. This is the same Paul that they're arguing with. Why, I have no idea. If you're writing things down, I'm gonna give you something real easy. God's party does have a dress code. It's Jesus, period. God's house and a relationship requires one article, it's Jesus. To put on Jesus, to put on the cross and the blood of Christ shed for you and me, to put on the resurrection of Jesus. If you want into the house of God, into a relationship with God, it comes through one thing, and it's Jesus only, period. Your works aren't factored in because they earn you death, the scripture says. They're filthy rags. And it's not a slam on you, it's just the reality that we're all broken. And the good news is, you don't have to be any more ashamed than me because I can out you any day of the week. I can be more broken than you any day of the week. If we want to have a contest about who has the most filthy wardrobe, let's go ahead. My closet's gross. And so is yours. And the good news is, we can still get in. But it's not because of those closets, it's because of Jesus. It's because of his work and his work alone that we have standing with God. The righteous for the unrighteous. He who had no sin became sin so that we might be the righteousness of God. Why is this so important, you know? Because as a believer... What you teach matters. What you teach people about Jesus and the way to salvation matters. If you teach people that it's Jesus plus all this other stuff to earn salvation, you are wrong and you need to stop teaching people that. It's unacceptable to put a yoke on somebody that in order to earn the love of God and to be saved from your sin, you have to take Jesus and do all this other stuff. That's not what it is. Jesus only. And if you're an unbeliever, if you're not a Christian and you're trying to understand and you see us trying to work out our salvation, well, we're not doing these things to get in, to be saved. We're doing these things to try to please God and to have a deeper relationship with him. I'm gonna explain it in just a quick second and then we'll be done. Come a little, go a little longer. If we want to clothe ourselves in the right things, it has to be only Christ or we muddy the waters for everybody else. This is what it says. I'm going to read this and we'll, we'll be done here. 
we have a tendency to either put a heavy yoke on people, it's Jesus and a bunch of stuff, or we act as though the cross isn't really the thing, right? And we water it down. And that somehow confession and repentance isn't necessary, right? That acknowledging the work of Jesus isn't necessary and that, yeah, it's just gonna magically work out. And that's not right either. Ephesians chapter two says it like this. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world. You were putting on your your rags. Verse three says, among whom we all lived in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And then two wonderful words in verse four say, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespass, made us alive together in Christ. He opened the door to us in Christ. It doesn't say in Christ and anything. It says he opened it in Christ. By grace you have been saved. Now does that sound like Jesus plus anything else to you? And raised us up with him, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, not in Christ Jesus and your good works. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus, period. And then three of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, not of your own doing, not of all of your goodness or giving, not all of your not sinning or church attendance. It is a gift of God, not a result of works. Why? So that no one can boast. So that no one can say, my clothes are better than yours. So that no one can say, I've done more, better, and good than you. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You're like, wait a minute. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. Yes, but not for salvation. Salvation comes through Christ alone. When you get on board with Jesus, then we have work to do, but it is not to earn salvation or the love of God. It is because of salvation and the love of God that we become different people. One We are justified in Christ. We are made right before God in Jesus and we are sanctified by the things that we do, which is obedience to what he tells us. They're totally different. They're linked, but they're not the same thing. The works come because of salvation, not for salvation. Is that clear? Does that make it clear enough? I wonder how we've gotten in the way I wonder how I've gotten in the way. Have we shared a gospel that is Jesus plus anything? If we have, make it right. If you're not a Christian and you've been wondering, what do I have to do to be saved? What do I have to do to have my life changed? Lay your life down and take on Jesus. Set aside all those rags that you've been wearing and take on Jesus. 
Believe that his life, death, and resurrection is what gets you into heaven and makes right your relationship with God and then obey him for the rest of your life until you die and see him face to face. Take on Jesus. All the morality that we want from everybody and ourselves comes after salvation. It's a byproduct. It's not the way to salvation. What adjustments do you need to make today? What are the things that God is asking you to do? If you want to know Jesus, come talk to me, please. We'll have some friends who are going to come up in just a second to pray. Come talk to them. Nudge the person next to you. Are you a Christian? Can you, can you show me the way to put on Jesus? And if you're a believer that is putting, putting a yoke on other people, that you've been putting on works, people's shoulders, you to do these things, Jesus and all this, please knock that off. And come learn how to do it differently so that we don't lead people astray like these Pharisees were doing. I wonder what would happen when the clear gospel is preached everywhere we go, not missing one opportunity. I wonder what happens here. Not here, but here in our city, in our, our state, our, our homes, and our schools. What does that look like? What does it look like for you guys to be able to share a clear gospel to your, to your friends and to those who are not your friends? We're gonna have a time of prayer. The worship team's gonna come out. Our prayer team's gonna come up. We're gonna sing a song, and this is also a time where you would be able to give an offering. We're not passing the bowls right now, but you can do that online. Um, don't do it right now online, but you can go online and hit the give button. We'd love for you to continue to walk in your, your generous giving, not out of obligation, but out of love and obedience to God, right? It is an act of worship for us to be able to do those things. You can also, there's a box on the way out. You're welcome to do that. But if you need prayer, you wanna pray for somebody, this is the time to do it. Father, we just ask right now that as we worship you through song and prayer that you be pleased. God, that you would help make Jesus clear. Just be clear. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for salvation. And thank you for all the wonderful things we get to do because of it. It's in Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Let's worship. Prayer team's gonna come forward. If you need prayer, this is the time to do it. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that you feel encouraged. To stay up to date with our current sermon series, you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you would like to find more ways to get involved with the Bayou City family, visit us online at bayoucityfellowship.com or download the Bayou City Fellowship Cypress app to find community in the body of Christ.